Welcome one and welcome all to the PFN Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Tate. You can find me on X over at Derek Tate NFL. And our special guest today is a fantasy football analyst over at Fantasy Pros. That is Andrew Erickson. You can find him at Andrew Erickson underscore on X. Andrew, we are heading into week 10. We are officially on the back half of the 2023 NFL season. How are you doing on this Tuesday morning? Uh, I'm doing great. You know, the waiver wire is... We got some interesting people to talk about today. So for those that have fab left or have their priority bidding left, um, this is perfect for you. But for some like me, like I blow a lot of my budget really early in the season because I'm like, well, can't take it with you. So I'm just going to try to use it right now, be more aggressive. But for those of you that have saved up your money, you know, there are a couple diamonds I think you can find here this week that I'm excited to talk about. And yeah, I mean, look, we got to just make sure that we get NFL quarterbacks to actually play in these NFL games. I mean, is it too much to ask for that we can get some, again, injuries are playing a role in this, but the fact that we have some of these quarterbacks starting these games, it's like ridiculous. It's like they, they just totally nuke entire offenses where you, you get zero production. It's like not even worth watching. It's like Browns Cardinals. Like, yeah, you look up and you're like, well, 27, nothing like Card- Cardinals never stood a chance. Like, Oh, no one's surprised. Yeah. When we're talking about, it was like quarterback, like a uh, by Mageddon, it felt like, but it was it had nothing to do with bye weeks. I mean, yeah, sure, there were four teams out, but there were a lot of starting quarterbacks, and a lot of the streaming options were almost non-existent at the quarterback position this week. And even those that took a chance on Jaron Hall, he didn't even finish the game. We saw Josh Dobbs, who just put on a Minnesota Vikings uniform, somehow pull out a victory. But we got a lot of interesting names to talk about on this waiver wire podcast heading into Week Ten of NFL action. If you have not yet done so, if this is your first time coming across the YouTube channel. Go ahead, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. You know, click the bell so you get the ding, ding, ding every single time we drop a new bit of content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. Or if you don't feel like looking at my ugly face for the next thirty minutes, just go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. However, you digest your podcast, we really appreciate all the love and support. And without a further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our running back waiver wire rankings so Andrew we're going to go from five down to one who's your number five running back on the waiver wire priority list this week I guess for me it would probably be like a Roshan Johnson type of player where so he's probably gonna get dropped in a lot of leagues just because he didn't play that much this past week it was really the Deontay Foreman show um, but it is a good matchup when you're looking at they're playing the Carolina Panthers on a Thursday night you know maybe they look to get away from Foreman on a short week now it is a revenge game for Deontay Foreman, so you have that narrative kind of uh, in play as well. But look, I mean, running back is tough this week, but if you need somebody, you know, I think Roshan Johnson is kind of an interesting piece to try to hold on to and try to see, you know, how this backfield shakes. Because it's like it's been a different guy every single week. It seems like in Chicago, and the matchup is good against the Panthers, so it's possible you could see multiple running backs potentially getting there um, for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, the Carolina Panthers allowing. Uh, are allowing an average of the highest amount of fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. So certainly the matchup screams that Roshan Johnson may be an option if you are desperate at the running back position heading into week number 10. And I was super high on Roshan Johnson heading into the season. Unfortunately, as soon as Khalil Herbert got injured, Roshan Johnson also sub- consequently got, or subsequently got injured as well, kind of opening the door for Deontay Foreman and even Darrington Evans to carve out some sort of role. So, I'm, But I'm going to stick with the high upside handcuff and has a little 
little bit of standalone value. I'm going Tajay Spears, Tennessee Titans. I understand he didn't really do a whole lot against Pittsburgh Steelers. Will Levis under center quarterback, rookie quarterback, still kind of learning the ropes. Uh, had an encouraging NFL starting debut, but kind of came back down to earth on a short week against Pittsburgh Steelers. Still kind of encouraged by what Tajay Spears brings to the table on an efficiency basis. Still been involved getting looks, getting snaps, getting touches, getting targets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We'll see how the rest of the Tennessee Titans, they really approach the back half of the season and see if they're in playoff contention for a wild card spot there in the AFC South. So, Andrew, who do you got at the number four spot in your running back waiver wire rankings? Yeah, so I had Tajay Spears there as number four. That's kind of who I was, like, gravitating towards, just a running back that needs to be rostered, you know, in case there is an injury and – in a pinch, you can kind of throw him in there and be like, hey, he's going to get me some points. Like, he's not going to get you nothing because he's explosive with the ball in his hand. So kind of echoing the, the things that you mentioned about Tajay Spears. So I'll kind of skip here to number three for me. And this guy's kind of more under the radar, someone that we drafted as like a handcuff. Um, in draft season, it's Ty Chandler uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Cam Akers is expected to be, I mean, he's going to miss the rest of the season with 20 killers. You know, pour one out for the guy. Like, I feel so bad for him. Like, as someone that's like, I've just really wanted to see Cam Akers like just play uh, and have a role. And, and like, that's all I've really wanted. And it just never really, it never really came to fruition except for the end of last year. Um, but we never really got to see the best of Cam Akers. And unfortunately we may never see that. So looking at this Vikings offense, look, this offense could potentially be kind of fun with Josh Dobbs and uh, taking over me. And the fact that he was able to play that well, with basically no understanding of the offense whatsoever has me like, okay, like maybe we could get something here. Like I've never been a huge fan of Alexander Madison. You know, he's been someone I try to sell all year long and he's just kind of like trudged along, done enough, caught a couple touchdowns here and there to be okay. But now that Akers is gone, it's obviously all right. Well, it's going to be Madison's going to be the guy. But in the case that it's not, you know, Ty Chandler would be that next guy up for the Minnesota Vikings. So I'd expect him to take on a larger role because I just haven't been a believer in Madison long-term. It's like, you know, maybe it is Ty Chandler. And the other thing too, Vikings have a really favorable schedule for the rest of the year for running backs. Mm -hmm. So if Josh Dobbs can really take advantage of the offensive pieces he has around him, which is a major upgrade from what he had in Arizona. Like again, this offense could be fun. Like get Jefferson back. It's like Josh Dobbs out here slinging it. He's second in the NFL in rushing yards behind only Lamar Jackson, a quarterback. So like, I I want to get pieces of this Vikings offense as weird as that sounds. And Ty Chandler is free everywhere, and he's available on every single waiver wire. I'm starting to wonder how much of a, a free agent commodity Joshua Dobbs is going to be in the offseason or something of that nature. Because, I mean, what, he's been traded to two teams, and he's played, you know, not great, but certainly admirably given his conditions and certainly in spot duty last week um, on Sunday and stealing a win against the Atlanta Falcons. Certainly kind of optimistic. We, we went, I went from going, uh, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to get out of this Vikings offense to being a little bit intrigued by, from what I saw, some encouraging signs from Josh Dobbs. Totally with you there. For me, I, I'm going to go at number four. It's Antonio Gibson. For me, it's a ho-hum option that's going to, if you're in a pinch, certainly it feels you can be confident that maybe he's going to be able to get you somewhere between like five to 10 fantasy points. If you're in a pinch at the running back spot, I'm not going to spend too much time trying to sell you on Antonio Gibson though, given that Brian Robinson keeps finding the end zone somehow, some way this season. Uh, but then at number three, Kenneth Gainwell, um, 
look, I know the rushing totals and the usage has not been certainly encouraging, but we've also seen in the past that DeAndre Swift has had some durability issues. He's still the lead guy there, and don't get me wrong, you know, with Jalen Hurts still, you know, scoring one-yard touchdowns, I think he had his seventh rushing touchdown of the season uh, last week uh, from a one-yard plunge, you know, and the, 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 the tush push or the brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it. But Kenneth Gainwell has found the end zone in two straight weeks and even last week. Uh, and back in week eight, had five targets, five receptions. You know, there's some plug-and-play capabilities in deeper, deeper PPR leagues for Kenneth Gainwell if you're in a pinch. Um, at the number two spot on your waiver wire rankings, I'm interested to see who – I think we probably have the number one guy the same, but I'm interested to see who you have at number two. So I actually – so I'm actually going to put my number – your number one guy here – at number oh. two for me because there's another guy I'm still looking at because I think he's enough he's available on enough waiver wires that I do want to bring him up still as my number one um so for number two for me it's Keaton Mitchell um again we obviously saw him rip off a massive run uh for the Baltimore Ravens as they ran all over the number one run defense going into the week the Seattle Seahawks who just added Leonard Williams and it's like well that didn't matter at all because the Ravens can just stop all over everybody and the Ravens are making the case as the league's best team in the NFL I mean it hadn't been for a weird game against the Colts in overtime that they lost. A weird game against the Steelers where the receivers dropped every single pass. We look up and be like, oh, wow, what do you know? The Ravens are undefeated um, because they've just totally curb stomped. The two, like, formidable teams have come into Baltimore and just they've absolutely destroyed the Lions and the Seahawks. So, um, Keaton Mitchell, look, he offers, I think, a little bit more than what you see from Gus Edwards and from Justice Hill where he just is, like, super explosive. Um, you saw him in the first half of that game. They each had four carries. I know he only ended up playing 18% of the snaps when the game was over, but it was just as Hill kind of in there, like, in mop-up duty, which was kind of usual. It's like, you know, if they were going to give Mitchell more look, like, why wouldn't he be there in mop-up duty as, like, a backup? So I think they're kind of viewing him as like, hey, this is a piece that we could potentially use down the line, and if he could take over that Justice Hill role, okay, then it's like, all right, Gus Edwards is going to be hard to usurp as that goal line back, and then obviously Lamar can take it in himself, but... If there's any guy who can rip off an 80-yard touchdown, like basically what he did and score from outside the red zone, it would be Keaton Mitchell. So I think that he has to be added and definitely stashed uh, this week for sure. Yeah, the way that this offense seems to be keeping opposing defenses off balance right now, there is something to it. Todd Munkin seems to have this offense operating at close to its or scratching the surface of its ceiling it's not quite there yet but certainly we've seen some encouraging signs from the passing game and now the running game as well obviously with you know Lamar Jackson being the probably the most dynamic dual threat quarterback in the National Football League still and you got Keaton Mitchell along with Gus Edwards now they've got a couple moving pieces and a couple different ways to hit a defense Keaton Mitchell did have that one you know toss sweep that he you know broke for a huge gain but I did see a little bit more navigation between the tackles some patience some burst that I was really encouraged by he was a little even a little slippery too as far as breaking tackles something I didn't really expect because of his frame and what I saw from him in college but certainly an encouraging NFL debut to say the very least he's number one on my list I'll go to number two though because he's still available in 50% of Yahoo leagues and Devin Singletary while Damian Pierce was unavailable for week nine against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the use or the efficiency wasn't there on the ground for Singletary in week nine against the Bucs, who are generally pretty formidable, formidable against opposing running attacks. You know, Devin Singletary, if you looked to the pri prior two games, he's been seeing more than 10 carries alongside Damian Pierce. Pierce's uh, efficiency has been down all season long. So I'm kind of feeling like even when Damian Pierce gets back, back in the mix, 
this could be a full-time time split, timeshare, or even Devin Singletary potentially, you know, out snapping and out touching Damian Pierce, uh, even once he returns to the lineup, you know, whether it be this week or in the coming weeks, uh, who do you have as your number one guy or is it Devin Singletary? <laughs> no, it's not Devin Singletary for me, even though I agree that he needs to be, you know, you know, even if you added him this past week, and obviously he was disappointing, like he still played seventy five percent of the snaps, and there's no guarantee Damian Pierce comes back. So like you can't drop him. Like that's the thing. It's like you got to hold him. You got to see this play out. You got to, you know, I always tell it when players get hurt, prove to me that you're healthy. Like first before I drop or I make any moves. Oh, he'll probably be back, and then you know they don't come back for a month. <laughs> so like prove to me, Damian Pierce, that you're healthy. Practice in full, and then we'll make adjustments from there. But I, I like the call in Singletary for me. It's Zach Charbonnet. Um, so again, sure. still. Underowned, I would say, across the board. I believe what I'm looking at is 38% consensus ESPN and Yahoo leagues. So Charbonnet, again, not a huge box score game again for him and Ken Walker, but he outsnapped Ken Walker again. Like the second week in a row, like they have played Zach Charbonnet over Kenneth Walker. Now I understand that game script has a lot to play with that, but the fact that Zach Charbonnet is carving out a role is like, hey, like they're telling us they prefer him as a receiver. Like that's what they're preferring him. And he even saw more red zone usage than Kenneth Walker did this past week. So, look, Ken Walker's a boomer bust running back. Like, that's what we knew going in with his profile. And sometimes Pete Carroll gets frustrated with that. He's like, no, like, I want a guy that just gets the yardage and goes to the hole that I design. And that's Charbonnet. That's not Ken Walker. So, he has to be rostered. Again, he's another player that could get dropped because, oh, well, he didn't do anything. Like, I was expecting more. Like, the whole, no, the Seahawks offense was horrible altogether. So, if he gets dropped, it's like, no, you need to have him because Ken Walker's been banged up before. So he has that upside there. He could take over the backfield fully. And again, in certain matchups, he may have standalone value. So Zach Charbonnet for me needs to be rostered. Charbonnet came in at number six for me. So I'm still right there with you. He's less, I mean, available in more than 50% of Yahoo leagues. And the certainly the usage snap count uh, for the last two weeks is very encouraging. And he's a very talented player. It's unfortunate that he's in a timeshare with, uh, you know, a, a talented back in Kenneth Walker in his own right. But there is something to be said. There's times when you're walking, watching Kenneth Walker and he tries to bounce runs outside when he doesn't need to. There's a little bit of frustration. <laughs> so uh, certainly Zach Charbonnet is a name worth keeping an eye on. Is there any other running backs worth mentioning that we didn't touch on that fantasy managers should potentially keep on their waiver wire watch list? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I think that you got to make some tough cuts when it comes to guys like on bye weeks, like the Rams running backs, like I'm cutting those guys. Like I'm not, again, Kyron Williams can't come back till week 12. So there is another week where, you know, potentially Henderson or Freeman could be, you know, the guy for the Rams, but it's like, you know, what has that really done for you? You know, if you had one of these guys like filling in, like not much. And it's been basically dual usage between the two players. So um, I guess for me, like someone I always like keep stashed because I think he's just good is Kendry Miller. Um, again, he doesn't play a lot. You know, he's buried on the depth chart, but he had like one catch again, like where it was like a really good play. It's like, oh, sick. Like this is what I, this is the guy I like at TCU, but he is buried on the depth chart. But Alvin Kamara is an older running back. And I think that he would totally overtake the backfield. If, I mean, Jamal Williams, like, we know what Jamal Williams is. Like, I'm not, I mean, if anything, Taysom Hill, that's the, that's the running say. back that everyone's going to be concerned about. <laughs> that damn cheat code insane. at tight end. Uh, <laughs> Taysom Hill just continuing to, to to just make fantasy managers give us a migraine, a headache. But if you got him in your lineup, it paid dividends in week number nine. So let's move on to the wide, re wide receiver waiver wire rankings heading into week number 10 of action. Who do you got at number five in your waiver wire rankings? So for me, I think number five would be one of these Ravens receivers. Um, we're seeing one of them. So Bateman has looked healthier in past weeks. Odell Beckham Jr. has been getting more of the high value touches and targets. 
you know, he actually scored yesterday. It was his birthday. And you can see, like, the constant effort. Again, he scored the touchdown from Tyler Huntley. So I was like, hey, this game's a blowout. We got to get OBJ's touchdown on his birthday. Because um, he had been complaining about, like, not scoring. So they got him the touchdown. He's been getting a lot of red zone work um, for them. So I would say OBJ for me. But Becca, or uh, Bateman is someone that, in deeper formats, I really like as, like, a stash. Because former first-round pick. We know he's super talented. We know it's all the uh, injuries that have been his, you know, bugaboo and kind of held him back. But I think he's starting to get finally healthy. And... Again, you kind of talked about this with this Ravens offense really kind of not not quite totally there yet. It's like if Bateman could unlock like this deep passing game for the Ravens where Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews are eating up over the middle of the field, like that could be that last thing that they need. And it could be Bateman. So especially in deeper formats, I would say Rashad Bateman is kind of like the long-term play where OBJ is probably getting in a revenge game against the Browns. I mean, they're going to probably try to force him to get another touchdown here. So I think that standalone, maybe OBJ is a nice fill-in this week, whereas uh, Bateman is someone I want to stash um, for the long-term. See, I love Rashad Bateman. I loved him coming out of college. Certainly showed encouraging signs when he was on the football field within the first two seasons of his NFL career. Just hasn't been healthy enough. Certainly his role in this offense i'm intrigued to see how it expands I, because whether it be Bateman or zay flowers or even nelson Aguilar, it feels like those three guys are all capable of getting vertical um on any given game <laughs> really it, it just depends on the concept and what the call is i'm just kind of interested to see you know whether it is bateman or whether it is zay flowers if there is ever a reliable number one wide receiver for the most of the season, it has been Zay Flowers, but certainly Bateman is a name and talented enough to be able to carve out a role in a offense that we think is heading in the right direction through the air. So for me, number five is actually Cedric Wilson. And I, I, I know it's almost like a, a wide receiver handcuff because when we saw Jalen Waddell, um, you know, dinged up for a very short amount of time against the Kansas City Chiefs, Cedric Wilson seems to be a guy that's, you know, a, a pl capable playmaker in this Miami offense. Uh, there's a reason why I don't think that we've seen a whole lot of Chase Claypool, Braxton Berrios. We know he's kind of a slot dynamo. So if he's, he's still producing here and there, but I could see him being someone that could have an expanded role if there were ever an injury. And I'm not trying to talk that into existence. So I'm not even going to say their names, but certainly Cedric Wilson in this high powered offense is somebody that I think is worth throwing a dart at and maybe stashing on, on your fantasy bench. Who's at your number four spot? We got some interesting names as we go down the wide receiver rankings. I'm curious to see who comes in at number four. Yeah, it's a, wide receiver is always an interesting on the waiver wire because it's like, well, what do you need? Like, you need someone to play this week. You need someone to play like next week, like because wide receiver production is so up and down. Right. Um. So again, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna spoil your number four pick because it's not my number four as well. So Noah Brown for the Houston Texans now. You look at last week, it's like, oh, my God, like, the dude got the 75-yard touchdown. There's no way he could do that again. Well, it's like, guys, like, the week before, he was also, like, really productive, too. Like, he's been putting back-to-back -back games of production. You know, his role has increased with the absence of Robert Woods. It's right. like, look, I mean, Robert Woods isn't getting, isn't getting his job back. <laughs> like, at this point, like, I can't understand why the Texans be like, yeah, let's put out this veteran guy with no juice when we got Noah Brown ripping off these 75-yard touchdowns because all yards out to the catch. I think that's so big in this Bobby Slovic offense comes from the 49ers. What do they preach there? What, what do we see from all these 49ers receivers? Yards after the catch. Nico Collins is great at it. Tank Dell is great at it. Noah Brown is great at it. You know who's not great at it? Robert Woods. So I don't think he's going to get his job back. So Noah Brown, again, doesn't look like sexy, but I want piece of this Texas offense, man. Like I can get a receiver attached to CJ Stroud against the Bengals. 
in a shootout? Like, come on, let's go. So, no Brown for me. I think, you know, he's a journeyman for the most part. You know, had flashes with Dallas. And, you know, no, no one was expecting big things from him necessarily this year. But, hey, he's in a good offense. He's got a good quarterback. He's playing in a shootout. I can You can pick him up this week and start him, I think. So, as a Buccaneers fan, watching C.J. Stroud just torch my secondary was was gut-wrenching to watch. And including that final drive, which was a, a masterpiece from C.J. Stroud. You know, give him his flowers, hat off, fantastic day at the office. We, I think that we're most folks, and rightfully so, are bigger believers in Tank Dell's performance than they are Noah Brown's. But Noah Brown, like you mentioned, gives you, I think, just more than what Robert Woods is capable of giving you at this point in his respective NFL career. He's had a great career. No, no disrespect to Bobby Trees. But give me Noah Brown at number four. I'm still a little skeptical. Obviously, a monster, historic-type performance. Don't expect this type of production every week. But he's certainly worth throwing a dart. And you're going to get him at a major discount on your free agent. You know, if you have any, or if you're low on fab, you have a better chance at getting Noah Brown than you do probably at Tank Dell this week. So I have him at number four. Who's your number three guy in the wide receiver waiver wire rankings? Could you go with Quentin Johnston for the Los Angeles Chargers? And it's like one of these things where it's like QJ, man, like you got to You got to do something, man. Like all the targets are there for you. You got you got to step up. So again, we were recording this before the Monday night game, right. so I don't know what he's done against the New York Jets. But assuming that he does something um, and he's still available, like even if it's just targets, again, it's a tough matchup against Jets secondary. So we'll see how efficient he is. But he's just he's got to deliver. Like his first round pick, he's got new opportunities. His snaps have increased, his routes have increased. I know last week was a positive development for him. I know it wasn't great, but it's like okay, like Palmer's literally driving in pain with his knee like he's not gonna play he's on ir the tight ends like are not feature pieces of his offense keenan allen's gonna get 15 targets we know that so where are the other targets going to quinn johnson i think he's got to be rostered and you just got to be like right he's got to step up as a first round pick believers in qj have been looking and clinging to any reason to be optimistic (laughs) and they finally got one with his performance in week eight with a hobbled josh palmer but he did see a career high in snaps, targets, receptions, yards. Like it is an encouraging performance uh, because it's his first one that's really noteworthy, to be honest. And I'm not trying to disrespect QJ. I think QJ is a good prospect. Felt like he was a little raw coming out of TCU. Certainly, though, this feels like if there's an opportunity, this is the time. This is the opportunity for QJ to really carve out uh, a role and prove he's you know, a reliable option for for Justin Herbert alongside Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler in that passing game. So, yeah, he was my number two guy. I'll touch on my number three guy real quick, uh, Erickson. It, it, it's Khalil Shakur. And he had that breakout performance, you know, quote, out, quote unquote breakout performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot of that had to do with the fact that Tampa Bay just could not get home to the uh, to Josh Allen, couldn't heat him up whatsoever, had, you know, Allen had all, to, all day. But Shakur still was effective and efficient with his opportunities against the Bucs. And he followed it up with a four reception on four target performance, you know, vastly outplayed Gabe Davis and finished third on the team behind Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid in targets, receptions, and yards. So I, I'm I'm on board with trying to get a piece of Shakur, put him on my, you know, put him on my bench. I don't know if I'm going to roll him into my starting lineup quite yet, but if we're looking for a piece of this Buffalo Bills passing attack, Shakur seems certainly like somebody that is a name that I'm willing to try to get on my fantasy bench and see if his role continues to expand building off of, you know, two quality performances uh, in this Bills offense. Yeah, no, I like that call there. You know, he's seeing a increase in, I mean, it's so funny. I was talking about this on another show where it's like, you know, why does it take 
an injury to Dawson Knox for the Bills to like put up their best offensive players on the field. Like, like, why didn't you just do this in the in the first place? Like, sorry, Dawson Knox. Like, like, yeah, it's great. You're a veteran. We paid you, but it's like we have Kincaid now. We want to run three personnel with three wide receivers because that's better. And now they're doing that. And it's like, wow, they could have been doing this the entire time, but they were trotting out two tight end sets the entire time before. And it's like, it's crazy that these teams like, oh, now that we're injured, now we have to play our best players. Oh, oh no. Like, and this happens like running back too. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. But I, I agree because Shakur, you know, back-to-back weeks where he's increasing usage without Dawson Knox at three receiver sets really set himself apart from like the Trent Sherfield, the, the uh, Deontay Hardys. Like he's clearly the number three guy there. Um, and Gabe Davis continues to be like, boomer bust it's like you don't know what you're gonna get and like when you just look at the target shares the last couple weeks i mean it's like Diggs, kincaid shakir and then gabe davis so gabe davis like is he even really the wide receiver two anymore like i don't know so we'll see i like the college care um for me my number two going back to another guy that was really popular i think last week but still not owned enough is tomorrow douglas for the new england Ooh, patriots okay. um Look, I, his stat line was okay this past week. Like, didn't score. Um, still solid, especially like in PPR form. It's like five catch for fifty yards. Um, he's literally the best player on the Patriots offense. Like, as someone a Patriots fan that I am, um, they would continuously jam targets to Tyquan Thornton, to Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager. <laughs> I'm, I, 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 I was at nausea. Like, I couldn't believe that they were forcing these targets to this guy who was a first round flame out. That. Everyone was like, oh my God, this guy's such a bust. And the Patriots are like, all right, let's get this, let's pick this guy up and make him a featured part of our offense in a game that they could actually win. And, and it's like, well, well, of course you guys lost. You threw the ball to him six times. He caught one ball. It, it was, I just couldn't believe it. So for me, it's like they have, when they go back and do the tape, it's like, right, we need 10 targets to pop Douglas every single week because he's the only one that can do anything with the ball in his hands. I mean, even Juju Smith just at least catches the ball most of the time when they throw it to him. So, it's DeMar Douglas for me. Again, it's another great matchup this week against the Colts. The Patriots actually have a really favorable schedule for the rest of the season right. for wide receivers. Um, so I do like Douglas. And honestly, like, again, if you're listening to this, you're playing really, really deep formats. It would not surprise me at all if they have Kayshawn Booty activated for their next game because it, it was thought that he was going to be active for this past game. You know, Bill Belichick was talking him up and then he was inactive. I was like, well, that's weird. Like, why is he inactive? And after they watch Jalen Rager, uh, they really watch the tape on. I can't imagine he's active again in Germany. Like I just can't. So Keishon Booty, if you're holding on to him in Dynasty, hold on to him still because I think that he could finally. They just got to get more guys playing. Like why not? Right. Like we know what Jalen Rager is at this point. He's a bust. <laughs> like we don't need to see him more. So with the Patriots franchise, you know they're spiraling. They're two and six or whatever their record is. It's horrible. Two and seven. I, I lost track. Um, Kayshawn Booty is an interesting name in some deeper formats, but Douglas is obviously the number one guy. Yeah, Douglas. You know, seeing his snap share, you know, expand in four straight weeks, you know, uh, two consecutive games with seven targets and five receptions. Yeah, the yardage totals haven't been there yet, hasn't found the end zone yet, but that's actually what makes him a very intriguing ad right now and stash and even a, a, a spot play in full point PPR leagues. I'm with you there. And in fact, I'm removing Cedric Wilson because I didn't know that he was still available in more than 50% leagues. So Cedric Wilson is getting the boot off of my, uh, off of my top five rankings. Um, so who's your, uh, who's your top guy? I think we may have the same guy at number one. Yeah. It's Tank Dell. Um, I mean, absolute monster game. And he had over, I think it was like 222 air yards, just like absolute bonkers. Now, you know, some of the numbers are obviously like we had three guys go over 100 yards in that game for the Texans. So when CJ Stroud throws for 500 yards, everyone's going to be super inflated. But 
even from a target share perspective, like his numbers were still very, very strong. Um, you know, and I'm just inflated by the overall raw numbers. And I, I guess for me, it's like, you know, we know Tank Dell's great. Um, Nico Collins has obviously been really solid as well. I want to propose a question to you rest of the season, Nico Collins or Tank Dell. Like I think that I think because people are people are approaching that's it, like, well, Nico Collins has kind of been the guy we drafted to be the number one. Is he the number one though? What say you? Well, when you, when you were drafting Nico Collins, you were drafting him in like the 13th, 14th round anyway, it felt like, you know? So, I mean, you were throwing a dart. We knew that the way that this offense was going to have the passing game anyway, and the pass catching pecking order was going to have to shake out during the season. And I, I, I got them as one, a one B. I personally, I'd rather have the high volume slot player that wins closer to the line of scrimmage and can create after the catch. No disrespect to Nico Collins, who I think is a very underrated, smooth operator, is kind of like an X receiver and uh, better in and out of his breaks than a lot of people give him credit for. He's just kind of now getting some of the attention and love and the flowers that I think he's kind of deserved over the last two years playing second fiddle to Brandon Cooks. But these both of these guys, there's enough volume in this Texans passing game for both to eat. I just I think I'd rather have Tank Dell. It's not by much. In a full point PPR, I'd probably go Tank Dell. In a standard format where there's no reception bonus, uh, probably Nico Collins is my preferred option because I think he's a better red zone target. So it's very close. But in PPR formats, yeah, I'd go with Tank Dell. I I probably sound crazy by saying that, but I'm gonna, I'm going to roll with Tank Dell. I just think that there's more formation versatility and more ways he can win and create after the catch than what Nico Collins has. No, I, I like that answer. I, I agree. I would go with Tank Dell. And I think for me, it's simple as, you know, Tank Dell's doing this and he's a rookie. So, like, I, I, I'm more yeah. impressed by that than Nico Collins again, you know, is year three for him. Like, it's great that he's finally starting to kind of hit his stride, but, you know, why is it taking so long? You know, his quarterback play hasn't been great, but the fact that a rookie's doing this, it's like, buy into that like especially with how rookies tend to hit in the second halves of seasons for fantasy especially receivers so again it's not a knock on nico like you said like you can like both guys but again if you have to pick one you know i would agree with tank Dell. fantasy managers you wish you could play the tampa bay buccaneers secondary every single week unfortunately that is not the case but certainly both players the arrow is pointing up as well as cj stroud i mean offensive rookie of the year just tip of the hat how well that man played quarterback waiver wire rankings what is one name that you have as a streaming option that's kind of outside the you know consensus top 12, top 15 that you think is a starting viable option for this week? Josh Dobbs. Josh is going right to Josh Dobbs. He's going to get a full <laughs> week of practice under his belt, number yeah. one, which is massive. And this is a trend I always forget about. And then it always I always remember it when I see these rushing totals for quarterbacks when they play the Saints. Tyson Badgett. Not known as like this mobile quarterback, really, like is running crazy numbers against the Saints. The Saints defense has always been bad against mobile quarterbacks. Like it's just how they've always operated. They play a lot of man coverage, and that opens up lanes for the quarterback to just take off and run. Josh Dobbs, again, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, like second in the NFL in quarterback rushing yards. I am I am like dying in one league at quarterback, and I'm like, I'm ready to go all in on Josh Dobbs. Be like, Ship it, man. This is my guy. I'm hitching my wagon because I just need something of, and he's available everywhere because he was the backup last week and he got traded from the Cardinals. So Josh Jobs for me is my number one this week, number one for the rest of the season. I think that he could be a QB one the rest of the way. You know, it's interesting you brought up how the Saints struggle against, you know, kind of dual threat quarterbacks. And uh, you, you look at their formidable front um, certainly their front seven is, is a good quality unit. Demario Davis, I really like, you know, Cam Jordan, but you know, they don't really have a lot of speed on that, on that unit up front. 
So certainly that kind of lends itself, like you said, a lot of man coverage. If they don't get home to the quarterback and he breaks the pocket, that can create a bunch of issues. Josh Dobbs, though, I, I you know, real quick, I'm not going to focus too much in on my leagues. I was in a 16-team league and had Dobbs as my backup to Trevor Lawrence because it's, you know, thin, one QB league. And, of course, he gets traded on the week that Trevor Lawrence has a bye. And I just put him in there because I literally had no other quarterback oh, to pick awesome. up that week. And it worked out. I can't believe it. Like, it's crazy. And I still <laughs> lost by, like, 10 points. It sucks. <laughs> but it is what it is. Um so Baker Mayfield is my quarterback. Um, you know, while C.J. Stroud obviously had a, a monster performance, Baker Mayfield on the other side did, didn't play all that terrible. I think he had over, like, what, 250 yards, a couple touchdowns, both KDOT and, and this Buccaneers running game. While they showed some signs of life, and certainly Rashad White played pretty darn well um, against the Houston Texans, I think they're going to have some issues being able to generate push and consistency on the ground against the Tennessee Titans. That's not the way that you want to try to to beat the Tennessee Titans defensively. Their pass defense has actually not been as bad or nearly as bad as it was last year, which was like dead last. They're actually kind of middle of the road as far as yards allowed per game, but I still think that that's the way to try to beat the Tennessee Titans and Baker Mayfield with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and an emerging Kate Ott and Rashad White out of the backfield, I think they're going to have to throw the ball quite a bit in order to generate points against the Tennessee Titans. So he's kind of my stream of the week. And it's not it's not a Bucks homer thing because I'm certainly <laughs> like I'm not a, I'm not a huge Baker Mayfield guy, but I do think that this week against the Titans is he's a viable option if you are in a pinch at quarterback. Let's move on to tight end. Mr. Erickson, who do you got as the top tight end waiver wire play streaming option heading into week 10? I feel like I'm back in like 2019, but uh, it's it's Johnny Smith for me. Uh, look, he was Taylor Heineke's number one guy, and it sucks that it took you know sacrificial lambs of Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts for a team to use Johnny Smith the right way. But here we are um, in 2023, and uh, this is what this is what Arthur Smith has chosen. He's chosen violence, and he's chosen Kyle Pitt, or excuse me, Johnny Smith as his featured tight end. So um, look. Johnny Smith had a couple down games the last couple weeks, but saw the usage spike back up this week. Right. He's been consistent for more of the games than not this year. So this isn't like a, oh, flash in the pan. Like he caught that long touchdown pass. Like, no, he was like the target leader with Taylor Heineke as his quarterback. And unless they're going to make the switch back to Desmond Ritter, which I don't think they're doing. I haven't seen anything about that. Um, I would expect Johnny Smith to continue to be involved heavily with targets. Drake London, don't know if he's going to be coming back. Um, this week because he's hurt. So Johnny Smith for me, again, against the Arizona Cardinals, not afraid of their defense. So yeah, give me Johnny Smith. Oddly enough, that Arizona Cardinals defense hasn't given up a ton of fantasy points to opposing tight ends, but I'm not scared of their defense. It's not like I'm sitting there going, oh, well, it's because their linebacker play is so elite or their tight, you know, safety play is so elite. It's just the fact that they keep getting blown off the football field and they're not really having to throw the ball that much uh, against that Arizona defense. So I'm with you there. I'm going to go with the stack with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm going to go with Kate Otten, who was coming off of his best fantasy performance of the entire season. Um, you know, tied a career high in reception, saw a career high in targets, or excuse me, uh, season high in targets, season high in receiving yards, and obviously two touchdowns was a, a season high as well. So I'm just going to roll with the hot hand with Kate Otten against the Tennessee Titans, assuming the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have to continue to throw the ball to generate points against that Titans defense. All right, Mr. Erickson, any defenses that really stand out to you as far as streaming options go heading into week 10? I think for me, it's probably going to be the Raiders defense that, you know, it's been tough to kind of knock the the smell of the Raiders. Just like, oh, like the Raiders defense always sucks. But it's like, the Raiders defense is actually been like pretty good this year. <laughs> like all things considered, 
especially because Josh McDaniels was not able to put his touch on the defensive side of the football. So, I mean, Mad Max Crosby is absolutely balling out and they're playing the Jets. So it's like, you know, Jets off a short week. I, I like the matchup here for Las Vegas. You know, if, if you were planning ahead, the Giants would have been a good defense to, or not, excuse me, the Raiders would have been a good one to stash away two weeks ago because they play the Giants and the Jets consecutively. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm with you on board there. I'm also going to go with the Indianapolis Colts against the New England Patriots. While you can tell me as the resident Patriots fan, I, I, I'm, while I've seen some encouraging signs from certain players on the offense, I still think that they're a bit of a work in progress. And like you said, Jalen Rager seeing six targets is where the state of their passing game is with wide receivers right now. So they're still very much a work in progress. That Colts defense was able to turn over Bryce Young. I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to turn over Mac Jones a couple times in this contest. So we'll go ahead and move it on down as we wrap up. Do you... Is, we want to go ahead and maybe put the waiver wire rankings and all these players in priority. Who is your top 10 starting at number 10 all the way down to number one? Yeah. So I'm going to start with Tank Dell, Demario Douglas. So that's one, two. Just want to make sure I'm not I'm losing track. Uh, Charbonnet, Keaton Mitchell, Ty Chandler, Josh Dobbs. I actually really like Garter Minshew a lot too. Oh. Um, as like a streaming quarterback against, okay. against my Patriots who are just, horrible <laughs> yeah. um i think it's a touch on already uh spear touch spears roshan johnson and then uh quinn johnson all right perfect i'm gonna go from 10 down to one i'm gonna replace cedric wilson with demario douglas seeing that he's available in more than 50 percent of yahoo leagues i'm gonna go tajay spears at nine noah brown at eight gibson at seven Gainwell at six Leo Secure at five, QJ, quentin johnson at four devin singletary at three keaton mitchell at number two and number one is Tank Dell. So before we sign off, Mr. Erickson, what do you have going on right now that people need to know about and where can they find you and follow you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter or as the kids call it, X these days, at Andrew Erickson underscore. Uh, all my work can be found over at fantasypros.com and actually at bettingpros.com. Um, every week I release a fantasy football forecast. comes out on Tuesday mornings where basically I go through every single team, talk about what happened in the last week's games and give you the action items. It's like, hey, Buy this player, trade for this player, drop this player. So, again, if you don't want to read into the weeds of everything, you just want, hey, what do I do? How do I make my fantasy team better? This is the steps to do it for each team. So you can even search by the players that are on your teams and figure out, hey, do I sell this guy? Do I trade this guy? What do I do with these players? Um, I got that all for you in the fantasy football forecast that comes out every Tuesday morning. Yeah, please go check him out at Andrew Erickson underscore on X. And Andrew Erickson, one of the best in the business, been enjoying his content for years. So this has been a real pleasure for me. So as we wrap up here for this Week 10 Waiver Wire podcast here on the PFN Fantasy Podcast, again, if you have not yet done so, this is your first time coming across the YouTube channel, go ahead, like, subscribe, you know the drill, hit the bell so you get notified every single time we drop a new bit of video content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. If you're joining in via podcast, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate all the love and support. Everyone, good luck on your waiver wires, and until next time, later, it does it take.